Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Well, if you turn your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and pick up where we left off last week in verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Um, we've been going through 1 Timothy, and, and uh, we saw at, in chapter 3 how the book as a whole, Paul tells Timothy, he, he's writing so that Timothy and the believers there in the church that Timothy was at in Ephesus would know how they're to conduct themselves in the household of faith, in, in the house of God. Um, so much of what we find in 1 Timothy explains how we are to do things in church. How we are to organize ourselves as a church, what church leaders are supposed to be like, what the priorities of a church should be, all of those things. And tonight is no exception from that. And, and um, it, it almost begins, as, as we've been going through 1 Timothy, um, that uh, some of these things we're hearing more than once, which... I don't think should bore us. Instead, it shows us how much it's important. How much? Because he's repeating himself in some of these things. And tonight, uh, I think what we're looking at are the priorities of a preacher. The priorities of a preacher. So in one sense, this sermon's for me. <laughs> this sermon, this, this text here is telling me what I have to have as my priorities as I'm a pastor here. But at the same time, just like the qualifications for a pastor that we looked at a few weeks ago, um, you all need to know too, right? Uh, Members of churches need to know uh, what the priorities of a pastor should be so that we know um, how to call a pastor, so that we know that a pastor is doing what he's supposed to do, and also so that the pastor doesn't get undue criticism for not living up to what people think but, but, but still following what the Scripture says that a pastor should be. Okay? So we're going to look here at priorities of the preacher. Verse 11 begins, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank You for Your Word again. I pray that You would help me as I speak, as I preach this, to take it to my own heart. That I would aspire to what You have given in Scripture as the priorities of a pastor. 
And Father, there are many things in this text that really ought to be priorities for all of us. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us. Lord, as we hear this text, Lord, that you would feed us, that you would nourish us, and Lord, that you would help us to better understand your word. Give me strength and grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. He begins, command and teach these things. Um, he's, he's giving a singular command. This is not plural, as in he's not speaking to the whole church here. He's speaking to Timothy. He's speaking to the pastor, and he says, command and teach these things. Um, now, I, I believe in what's called congregational church government. Uh, the highest authority in a church is the congregation as a whole. Baptists, we, we're so good at that. You know, we've got business meetings <laughs> that, or, or members meetings as we like to have. But, but uh, in that principle, you know, the highest, accord, uh, um, the highest authority in the congregation is the congregation gathered at itself. When we call leaders, we call leaders as a church. It's, it, the church will, will vote whenever they call leaders. Uh, we don't have a denomination that, that sends us someone, but we call our own pastors. We own our own building, right? And we don't have a denomination that owns our building. Well, actually, in our case, we rent it. <laughs> we rent it ourselves. Um, we, you know, in a congregational form of government, the pastor is not the highest authority. So when it comes to cases like accepting new members into the church or church discipline, it's not the pastor that practices church discipline or says, oh yeah, you can be a member. It's the congregation. So we'll have, you know, I would present someone to become a member. I would present them with a recommendation and the church would then vote that or affirm that. Um, but here, Paul is telling Timothy, command and teach these things. There is, even though the congregation is the highest authority in a church, there is an authority that a pastor has. There is an authority that a pastor has. And that pastor, that, that authority is rooted in the Word of God. It's rooted in the teaching that he does. Uh, when, when, when a pastor stands behind the pulpit and, and he, he lifts up the Word of God and he speaks... Um, insofar as he's being faithful to what the Word says, he has the authority to command and teach these things. It's in the job description. Now that doesn't sound that fun, does it? We don't want anybody telling us what to do. But in the Christian life, so often, what we, what we see is that we are to be submissive to our Leaders and whatever authority arrangement that we have. And in, in one way, I'm submitting to a congregation uh, whenever we have things that only the congregation can decide. And at the same time, when I'm preaching, I speak with the authority that comes behind God's Word insofar as I'm being faithful to it. Does that make sense? He says, command and teach these things. Now, what's these things? What's these things? I'm going to look, you know, skip down here in verse um, 11, verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 15 says, "Practice these things, immerse yourself in them." Okay, he's got this word, these things again. 
And, and so I'm going to say that whenever he says command these things, it's then kind of sandwiched where the other side of the bread is, is down in verse 15 where he says practice these things and immerse yourself in them so that whenever he's talking about these things, he's talking about what comes in between the two, right? It's the meat in the sandwich. <laughs> Make sense? So, so what is it that uh, P- Timothy is supposed to command and teach? And what is it that a pastor is supposed to command and teach? First of all, Peter's, or Paul says, let no one despise your youth, you for your youth, but set the, exe- the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Now, Timothy was a young man. Um, and, and, you know, the term for pastor is elder, and you might expect that someone would be an older person to be in that position. Uh, but Timothy was a young man. In fact, he was probably in his early 30s or his late 20s at the time. And, and you know, I can remember whenever I was about that age, and, and a lot of times I'd walk into a church and I'd preach, and people would be like, well, who are you? Young whippersnapper. You know? <laughs> um, and here, uh, you know, I, whenever I was a youth pastor before, uh, we'd come to this text, and that was, that was the favorite text of the youth group, right? Don't let anyone look down on you for your youth. Right? You can't look on down on me because I'm young, right? Um, that, that was a favorite text. But let's, let's understand it in conduct. In, conduct, in, uh, in context. Thank you, Amanda. Context. He says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but, he sets it in contrast here, but set the believers an example. So, how do how does Timothy, how does a pastor, how does a young person, and whether they're a pastor or not, I'm talking maybe to my kids here. I think uh, looking at the age demographics here, <laughs> I think that would be the young, young people here. How do you not let anybody look down on you for your youth? By, as Paul says, setting an example. By setting an example. Um, Paul says, set an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, all of these things. So if a young person, a young person wants to be able to engage and, and uh, uh, be a part of a congregation without people looking down on them, what does Paul say to do? Set an example. Not... Look at this verse. You're not supposed to look down on me. That's not what, what uh, you do if you're young. What you do is you set an example. You, you, you be exemplary in your speech. Right? Be careful about how you speak. Um, we are to speak wholesome words. Only what's good for edification. Um, not uh, being gossips. Not... Um, running our mouths with um, all kinds of foolish, vain talk. Um, and uh, uh, also watching our speech for the way we speak about the gospel. Okay? We want to we we be accurate. We want to we not um, um, just be loose in the way we talk about the things of the Bible. He says, set an example in speech, in conduct. We want to watch our behavior. Um, 
a lot of times youthful people will be, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to look down on that, but sometimes, many times, youthful people will kind of be rambunctious and sometimes rebellious. Um, Paul here is saying, uh, for Timothy, for any, any young pastor, any young person, if you don't want people to look down on you, then be an example in your behavior. Grow up. <laughs> Act like a mature believer. Um, that's how you keep people from looking down on you. Pa- pa- Paul is not saying to Timothy he, that Timothy can just tell everybody, you know, Paul said you've got to listen to me. <laughs> no, he's saying set an example. He, he then says um, in love. That's one of the ways that a pastor, that Timothy here, that any young person should set an example by their love, caring for people. You see a need that someone may have, volunteer. Take somebody a meal. Um, Volunteer uh, to be involved in Meals on Wheels. That's something that we do here at our church. Some of us have been involved in that. Uh, All those kinds of things to be an example in love. Tell somebody you're praying for them. Encourage them. Those are things that we can be an example in love. In faith. Trusting God. Trusting that He is big, that He is mighty, that He is in control. If, you've got, if you're filled with worry and anxiety and it shows, then people may look down on that. But if you're wanting to be an example of faith, I'm not saying to put on a, on a fake face or anything like that. But when you grow into maturity, you can trust God. And people see that. That's how we can be an example. A young person can be an example in their behavior, in their speech, in their faith, in their love, and in purity. In purity. A pastor must be an example in purity. Not... um, There's been so many scandals within the church where... A pastor runs off with some woman in the church. Or some famous evangelist is found in a hotel room with some woman. A pastor cannot do that. It brings reproach upon the gospel. A pastor must be an example in purity. Um, Now, with all of those things, I do want to step back and say, this is what we aspire to. This is what none of us will be perfect. None of us is Jesus. Okay? We can't be perfect in any of those things. We, James says if, if someone doesn't stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, right? There's only one perfect man. We can't be a perfect example in speech. And, and in, in our conduct, in our love, we're always going to have things where we fall short. But if we want to. Let no one look down on us because of our youthfulness, whether it's a pastor, whether it's any other young person. What do we do? We set an example in all those things. We aspire to be all of those things an example. Verse 13. So the first thing here, command and teach these things. 
Paul tells Timothy, be an example. Right? Second here, he says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. This was the next thing. This is what I think our, our Old Testament reading um, connects to our text here tonight. What, what, is, what is Timothy charged with? What is his duty? What is the priority of a pastor? To lift up the Word of God. He says, give attention. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. We don't just have the Scripture reading whenever I'm preaching the text, but we have another Scripture reading. You know, and, and maybe it might be good to have a third or a fourth kind of uh, Scripture reading because Paul said, and this is what the apostles did in the early church, they devoted themselves to the public reading of Scripture. It is good for us to gather together and to hear God's Word just being read. But then he says to exhortation. That's a part of what's involved in preaching. You take the public reading of Scripture and then the exhortation is where we're, we're showing this is what this means. So whenever uh, this text is a command and so we're to do those things. This text, it's a, an encouragement. So we encourage one another with these texts. The exhortation is explaining what it is uh, how these things are useful in our lives, in the way we behave, and even for the way we feel whenever it's dealing with encouragement. That's the exhortation. And then teaching. Teaching. Uh, give attention to the public reading of Scripture. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Some of the preaching will be explaining how we live this out. That's the exhortation. Some of it is teaching, explaining it so we understand it. You know, a doctrinal sermon. Uh, a, a sermon where we're, we're understanding what the Trinity is all about. Okay? Something like that. A, a doctrinal sermon where we're looking at a text maybe in Romans that explains um, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we're, 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 we're looking at texts like that and we're explaining, we're teaching what the Bible says about our sin condition, what the Bible says about what Jesus did on the cross, we, about what the Bible says about creation, about what, who God is. All of those things would be involved in teaching. So the second priority here, first priority of a preacher is be an example. The second priority is command, I'm sorry, is devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to the teaching. Preach the Bible. Preach the Bible. For me, that's my command. That's what I'm to do, to preach the Bible. For you, if you want to be a part of a healthy church, find a church that preaches the Bible. That reads it publicly. That explains what it's all about. That, that says, this is how this affects your life. And that explains how these doctrines that are sometimes complicated explain what those mean and how we are to better understand the Gospel and who God is and what Jesus did for us and all of those things. Um, so that's, that's the second priority of a preacher. The next thing he says... Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. That sounds a little bit weird to us, doesn't it? 
That sounds a little bit weird. I think what we're seeing here is that there's a historical situation that we have no, very little idea about. Uh, apparently, at some point, maybe at, at the point where uh, Timothy was set apart or ordained for his ministry as a pastor, there was a, a, a time when the, the, uh, the elders there at the church laid their hands on him, and uh, I don't know if he received it at that moment. It says also um, that um, he, uh, let me see, which was given to you by prophecy, when the council of the elders laid it, it could be that the prophecy is speaking. It was recognized, and maybe it was something—a gift, a spiritual gift—that Timothy received at, at some indistinct period. Maybe it was at his conversion, and then re- then it was recognized by prophecy. Maybe one of the elders said, "I know you're going to be a pastor," or something like that. I don't know, but um, how how is that applicable here? It's I mean. That, we don't have that kind of thing today. We don't have uh, a, a type of... of uh, we, we can't say that someone prophetically spoke to us and said, you know, you're now going to have this spiritual gift. That, that's something that, that happened in the apostles' time. It's not exactly something that we see today. So how does that relate to us today? I think even though we don't have the apostles anymore, to, and we don't have the New Testament prophets like we did in that day. We do each have spiritual gifts. And a pastor, and any believer for that matter, is not to neglect our spiritual gifts. We're not to neglect... If God has gifted us as a teacher, then we're not to neglect that. And, and probably what Timothy's gift was is that teaching. Everything else that... Um, um, we see here about Timothy and the, the, the things that he was supposed to do is about teaching. And probably that's what his gift was, that he was going to be a gifted teacher. Um, so Paul tells him, don't neglect your gift. How does that relate to a preacher today? How does that relate to me or to you? Um, we... I, you know, I don't like to talk about my own spiritual gifts. I'd like to have somebody else talk about it. <laughs> but but if, if I've been, if I have a gift for communicating the, the Bible, then I don't want to neglect that. I don't want to put my light under a bushel. I, God has, has given me this calling and, and I need to do what He's put, what I put my hand to the plow to do and, and what He's called me to do. And in the same thing in your life, maybe you're not a pastor, but God has given you some kind of a gift for serving the church. And the same thing, don't neglect your gift. He's given you something. If you're a believer, there is a way that you can serve the church. All of the gifts that we have are for the edification of the body, for building one another up. And there's a way where you, if you're a believer, can build up the body, encouraging one another. Don't neglect those gifts. Finally, in verse 15, not finally, I always like to say, I say, I say finally, whenever preachers are so notorious for that, aren't we? <laughs> finally, and we're only halfway through the text. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that others may see your progress. He, he's saying, he's back to the, the, uh, the bread on the sandwich, okay? So those priorities he had were 
be an example. Um, devote yourself to preaching Scripture. And don't neglect your gift. Now, he's saying, immerse yourself in these things. Practice these things. Uh, de- devote your life to these things. I mean, uh, he's emphasizing here, this should characterize the life of a preacher. Um, and, uh, you know, it's easy for someone who is a seminary student, which I've been in the past, to devote hours and hours of study and, and to build myself up and, or, or to build any... But it's not as easy whenever you get out there into the church and you're bivocational like me and you've got all of the responsibilities of family life and, and job and all of these things, but the priority of the preacher is to still devote yourself to these same things. Devote, your, to, to devote myself. I've got to continue to be in the Word. I've got to continue to be an example. I've got to continue to emphasize public proclamation of what the Bible says. I've got to continue to stir up the gift that God has given me. Each one of us. Finally, now I'll say it for real. Well, let me back up. I won't say finally yet. So that others may see your progress. There's a purpose for why we do these things. And, and you know, a lot of times we like to do things in the background and for nobody to see us. But Paul here says there's a purpose. He, he wants people to see Timothy's progress. It's important um, that the pastor spends his time studying the Scriptures and growing so that the congregation sees he's not just stagnant and sitting there, but continuing to grow and learn and continuing to devote himself to the same things that God calls a pastor to do. Okay, now finally. Keep a close watch on yourself and your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul, I think this book really boils down to those two things. There's doctrine and life. Life and doctrine. Paul here is saying, keep a close watch on both of them. It's easy to get off the rail and be leaning towards one or the other. Somebody can be really you know, orthodox and everything, but have a life that's a shambles. And, and maybe somebody can, can be really looking holy and, and just from the outside having an image of... But maybe they're, they're not really devoted to... Sticking with the Scriptures. You can fall on one side or the other. You know, the the ditch on both sides. Here, Paul says, watch both. Watch your life and your teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. There's a goal in mind. Why must the preacher do these things? Why must the preacher set an example? 
Why must the preacher devote himself to the Bible? Why must the preacher stir up his gift so that he says, by doing these things, you will save both your health, yourself and your heroes. Hearers. I'm having difficulty speaking tonight. Now, let's, let's question this for a moment. We don't want to get the idea that somehow Timothy is going to be saved by his works as a pastor. That's not, that's not what he's getting at. But, um, fruit, um, obedience, works is an evidence that our faith was real. Just like James talks about. Uh, faith without works is dead. So if, if our faith is true, if we're saved by faith, then the, the works are going to result. So whenever he I, I, you know, maybe it's not always put so clearly, but here I think whenever he says, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers, I think uh, he will confirm what God has already done in him when he sticks to these priorities. And it also, you know, a preacher is not going to save somebody else, right? Uh, all of my works and my labors are, is not going to save anybody. But here Paul says, if by being faithful to what the Bible says, watching your life, watching your doctrine, God will use that and people will be saved. It's important. It, heaven and hell are in the balance there. It, it's so important for a pastor to aspire to watch their life and doctrine, to be an example, to devote themselves to the Scripture. Because by doing so, people are saved. People are, are rescued from the wrath of God. Heaven and hell are on the line. Now, I'm going to step back for a moment. Again, um, I do this quite often because this text is, is, is uh, it's very command-oriented. Right? It's, it's law. It's law. Um, and I, I want to always come back and remind us of the Gospel. The gospel. Um, I'm not going to be saved, and you're not going to be saved by trying to be a good example. That's not how it works. No, we're saved by faith in Jesus and His death and resurrection for us. He, he came and lived a sinless life. He died for our sins. He was the sacrifice that covers our sins. We put our faith in Him. He changes us. So, when we look at a text like this, we're talking about fruit. He has changed us. He has made us new. Then we go and we live this out. If there's people in here or watching online, these aren't things that you can aspire to 
if you haven't first put your faith in Jesus. If you haven't trusted in Him. So the first step is look to Him. Look to Jesus. He is the greatest example. A pastor, he can try to be an example, but he'll always be a failure at some point. Men will let you down. But Jesus, He is not only our example, but He is our Redeemer. He bought us with His blood. Trust in Him. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.